Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases. And they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay. Wish Our Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WEGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can, because she wants you to live your life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WEGS of SCI sent you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Brooke Paget and Elena Pauly. Today's guest, we are super excited to talk to because she is what we call an OG Wag of SCI. Her name is Heidi Estrada, and she lives in Weston, Massachusetts, which is a suburb in Boston. And she's one of our ambassadors. So she represents the New England area for Wags of SCI. She's also been with her husband for almost 20 years, her husband Dave. So we have a lot to learn from Heidi. Um, We look up to her a lot. She's also one of the moderators on our private Facebook group, which we could literally not do it without her. Um, She also has a daughter who's 11. Her name's Lila, and she was conceived via IVF. So we will get into that in this podcast as well for anyone listening who's curious about the IVF journey of Heidi. Um, A little while ago, Heidi kind of felt called to be a peer mentor after she had been volunteering for WEGS for quite some time. And so she moved into United Spinal. And from there, she actually became the community involvement coordinator for the Boston chapter of United Spinal, where she oversees all of their support groups and education programs, a lot of them which are held online over Zoom now, which is amazing during the pandemic, providing so much support for the SCI community. Um, She's super passionate about what she does. Every time we talk to her, we just, we love her more and more. So Heidi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. 
Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for the great introduction. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. We, as I said before, we have a lot to learn from you. There are very few women on the group that are that have been with their partners as long as you have. Um, and you have a lot of wisdom and a lot to share about balance and, and responsibility and support. And um, we want to pick your brain during this podcast because there's a lot of women out there that really need some support and can learn a lot from you. And so I guess let's start off by talking about how you met Dave and um, kind of your romance and your love story. How, how did you guys meet? So we actually met, um, we met online, an online dating uh, service. It was love at AOL. This is oh, a long time ago. <laughs> love at AOL. This is before <laughs> the dial-up AOL, right? <laughs> exactly. There was it was a dial-up. It was well before you could swipe left or swipe right. Um, but I answered his ad, and um, he he put it right out there that he was a wheelchair user. Um, he was in law school at the time, and um, I was teaching. Um, and I yeah, I just I was. You know, I didn't go looking for somebody with a disability, but there it was. And I didn't, you know, didn't, it didn't bother me. Um, and we met, sorry. What about his profile um, attracted you to, because we have a lot of men that are single and disabled that follow the WAGS group. And we literally get messages like three times a week from single guys doing the online dating thing and they feel discouraged. They always ask us, oh, we need a site for disabled people. And we always say no to that because we feel like disabled people should be included just like everybody else. Um, so what was it about him that attract, like his profile or his messaging that attracted you to him? Because clearly, like you said, you weren't looking for someone with a disability. You just kind of fell upon it. Right. So I think it was more that he was um, the place that he was in his life. So it was six years after his injury. He had been a police cadet for the Boston Police Department. He was a senior um, studying criminal justice and had a motorcycle accident. Um, and he was became a T4 uh, complete. And he literally went from rehab, moved back on campus in Boston um, at Northeastern University and went, got right back to classes. Um, so, you know, I think it was just, it was just somebody that had these qualities about being just really strong and tenacious and, you know, nothing was kind of going to stop him or get in his way. And that his kind of positivity and his strength was really what was very attractive to me. Um, that's and, really interesting. You know, of course I, yeah. I mean, of course I thought he was like really handsome and, you know, yeah. whatever, but, but I was, it was just that that quality. I mean, part of his injury, um, made him who he is today, um, for the better. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know how he was before because I didn't know him, but, um, <laughs> it just, you know, it, he, you know, I knew that he was, did a lot of peer mentoring, um, to other people with injuries. And it was just the kind of person that I knew that I wanted to be with, that I, that I wanted to share, you know, my life with as well. So, um, even though he and I are very, very different people, there were still those similarities um, between us that was really important to me. You know, you know what I find really interesting is we kind of say that to all these men that message us. Like we say, work on yourself, like find who you are and be proud of it and, and learn to find your own confidence. And, you know, we did a podcast a little while ago um, that we talked about 
you know, specifically quadriplegics after dating or um, after their injury dating. And we gave like tips and we basically said what you said, like those qualities of resilience and, you know, mm-hmm. learning through your injury and making the most out of your life are so attractive to people so that it doesn't matter about your physical disability because you have this great awareness now and this great empathy and it's who you are that really matters would you and which I'm sure you would agree with right oh absolutely yeah and I think that's what I'm saying it was like did it matter if it was a wheelchair or not here was a person that I thought was attractive I mean of course you want to be attracted to that person yeah but that had ambitions in life and an, and an outlook on life that that I really loved that I loved so, um, and I agree with you what you're saying. Um, you know, sometimes when I when you hear about people who are looking, like men who are looking to date somebody, um, men who have you know a spinal cord injury, and it's like you you gotta like you gotta work on yourself first. You've gotta be like solid before you enter mm-hmm. a relationship. Um, and I, you know, Dave was probably at that point where he was. Um, he was there. And our, our first date, we went, I met him in Boston. We went to dinner and we went, we were in the Prudential Center and there was just walking around there and there was a, um, an, ele- an escalator, excuse me. And he just, he didn't give me a whole lot of warning, but he just like hopped on the escalator to go, I guess we were going up. He did it up In his and wheelchair? Down. You mean yes. You- <laughs> and I was wow. like, I was <laughs> Yeah, I was sort of like dying because I'm like, this is going to be a really bad first date story. <laughs> this is not going to end well. But he was really pretty casual about it because he he doesn't really do that so much anymore. But he used to do that a lot because for him, he could easily do it. And it was just easier than going to find an elevator, figuring out where the elevator was. So he just got on the escalator in his chair backwards and went down pretty cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think kind of what you were both saying earlier about you know that confidence piece it doesn't matter if you have a disability or not it's you know everybody sees the guy in the room who's confident who's walking into the room confident you know confident not cocky yeah yeah (laughs) yes being able to feel like secure within yourself but also like girls want to be with confident guys right you don't want to be the one that's like protective of your man you want you want that man to be like I got it I can take care of this you know so and then as like I started introducing him to people that I knew and like told my parents about him I think people's responses are were like are you sure like you want to get involved with somebody you know who uses a wheelchair and like do you want to be a caregiver and do you want to be, you know, like, wh- why would you choose this? And, and I, so I'm not Dave's caregiver. He's, you know, he's pretty much independent, completely independent. Um, so it's, this isn't to say that if I had to be a caregiver for him or he, I was needed for that, that that would be an issue. I'm just in our situation, this is just how it is. Um, but then once people would meet him or once my parents met him, they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they're like, here's a great guy. You know, like what more could we want for our daughter um, to meet a guy who, you know, works hard and plays hard and has a really strong character and morals. So the the wheelchair was really not part of the equation. 
I wonder where that comes from. I feel like media does a really great job at skewing our perception of like what it is like to date somebody in a chair or with a disability. Um, that it makes people, those are like their first questions, their primary questions to you, to anybody who's like with, with somebody with a disability. It's like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Because they just right. sort of like picture this really outdated, like archaic system of what it looks like, right? It's like most of the time you think like, the old school wheelchairs that are like made out of like cardboard or wood or whatever that are like right. just very archaic ideas around what it looks like to date somebody with a disability or you see somebody with like a brain injury and everybody thinks that you have a spinal cord injury so maybe you have a brain injury you know it's just like very right. there's so many misconceptions about dating somebody in a chair that for us wags of SEI it's like yeah of course I want to be doing that he's a human being and I love him you know he's not just the chair right and it's funny you say that because I I often think about people where you you don't see what the issue is so you know I I can think of plenty of friends where you they they introduce you to their you know guy they've been dating and you really want to say and for no not for any reason that's physical but like are you sure you want to get involved with this person <laughs> you know whether it be just things about their character or situations that they're, you know, in, um, yeah, it's, it's just that a, dis- a disability can be, is just very, um, visible. Yeah. And that kind of, that kind of pisses me off a little bit. Um, people's, yeah. people's judgment, it does, because it's just like, okay, like there are tons of men in the world that are selfish and narcissistic and they're cheaters and, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't judge them because it's not something you can see with your eyes, right? You have to learn that over time about those people, right? right? And right. so it's like, why judge someone using your eyes? It's just like, it's just, you, you don't know anything about someone based on your eyes, right? You have to get to know them. And so it's exactly. just kind of weird to me. Like, it's kind of weird that, yeah, I get it. But society, especially like our parents' generation, they don't want hardship for their for their kids. But it's yes. that's also a huge problem. And that's created... A bunch of monsters that expect life to just be smooth sailing and you know that quote bad things are terrible when they're actually learning experiences and if you look at life in a way of like well your life may be a little bit more difficult than most people but is that necessarily a bad thing if the person you're with is just like your soulmate no right I mean right so it's tough but yeah I mean you're your story is really cool because to all the guys out there listening right now um, who are navigating the world of online dating, um, listen to Heidi. She knows she's been married for almost 20 <laughs> years. You know, <laughs> what What would be your, uh, you know, I, I know you've said, you've talked about how it's so important to develop who you are and your confidence. And um, what other advice would you have for, let's say, a quadrupara who is trying to start getting into the dating scene? Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, I think that, yeah, I, I guess I would say the number one thing is really being comfortable with who you are, um, really developing, you know, that confidence. And if you don't have it, then you, you really might not be ready to put yourself out there. But once you do that, you should, you should be, all right, sorry, I don't, I don't. It's fine. We'll That's totally that. okay. We Pause can we can start over. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm sorry. That's okay. No, 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 it's all good. 
I, I'm trying to, I don't actually have a very good answer besides that. That was I a great answer. Um, no, no, no. We'll move forward. So um, after you guys met, how long did it take you to realize that he was, quote, the one? Like, how long before you were like, okay, I'm going to marry this guy? Uh, oh, let's see. How long? Um, I would say about a year, at least uh, about a year into things, it was it was kind of like I sort of knew and it also became a little bit of point of, a point of contention because I was like in my later twenties and I was just sort of really looking for a commitment. So it was, took him a little bit longer to make the actual commitment um, and to put a ring on my finger. <laughs> but I, I knew pretty quickly. It just felt right. It just, it That's just odd. felt natural. It just felt good. Yeah. So I don't know what he would say, but <laughs> you felt natural. So we know that you guys actually decided to take that IVF journey to conceive Lila. Can you tell us a little bit um, about that? What made you want to, to go the IVF route? And yeah, just what made yeah, you want to do that? So, um, so this is going back, you know, Lila's 11. So this is going back like probably 13 years ago when we kind of started the process. And we know a lot. We have a lot of friends in the SCI community in the area, um, just really through Dave's involvement in the SCI community. So we've got a lot of friends. So we had a lot of, we had enough, you know, advice and um, friends actually that I could talk to, the wives that I could talk to. Um, about how they had conceived. So we tried it on our own at first, like at the, you know, with the advice of a friend of mine, um, because Dave was able to ejaculate. So we kind of did our own thing, but it, it wasn't working. And then I just was starting to feel a little bit frustrated and, and just like, let's go and just have this, you know, medically kind of dealt with and figure out, I guess, what we're dealing with. Um, so as is, is not uncommon, the issue turned out to be motility, um, with this, with, um, Dave's sperm. So the little swimmers don't swim fast enough. Um, and we, you know, we're also very lucky that in Massachusetts, um, IVF and fertility treatments are covered by insurance. So we were really lucky about with ah, that. That yes. was my next question for you. That's really, that's really cool that you were able to do that. Even 13 years ago, they had it covered. Hey, yes. So uh, it was kind of a no brainer. It was like, okay, how much, how much longer are we going to wait to try to keep doing this on our own, you know, <laughs> Turkey based or style or, um, <laughs> you know, until we kind of like get a little bit of help. So it, it was a pretty easy decision to just say, let's go and, you know, get this figured out. So we did, um, we did two IUI. So they insurance w required us to do three IUIs first. So intrauterine insemination. Um, we did two, those didn't take and our doctor just moved us right to IVF. Um, and then we conceived on our third, um, third IVF. So, how many, rounds, exciting. Was, how many rounds does uh, insurance pay for? Um, I'm pretty sure that they do like three and then you can like reapply for it. Like with wow. a, your doc, you know, your doctor. Yeah. I, I think you can kind of keep going. I've never heard of anybody that I know in Massachusetts that had tried it. I have a friend, non-SCI, but who did IVF and she did about 13 rounds before she had twins. Wow. Um, Holy smoke. So, 
Yeah, yeah, it's... Well, this you know, is this is really good news to know about because I did not know this, and I know that you know because it's so easy to move from state to state. Or like, could someone just move to Massachusetts and have a Massachusetts address and start the IVF process? Is that how it works, or do you know anything about that? You know, no, I don't. But I'm sure that you would probably need to have. Something. You know, that's a really great question. I, yeah. I would assume you'd have to have established residency for yeah. some time. Yeah. But I often say to people like. Don't don't be so quick to leave Massachusetts just yeah. yet, you know, like make wow. sure because I cannot even ima- I mean, I know people, you know, have GoFundMes and like can spend yeah. their life savings trying to conceive. And it's hard enough to try to conceive and it's stressful enough. But then to have the added pressure of, oh, my gosh, we've just spent, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on this. And I hope it takes, you know, I hope it works. Oh, I can't even imagine how much more can we do? Yeah. Um, and we thought that we would have another um, after, like when Lila was one, we actually had an embryo that we had frozen, um, although we would have done done more. And then we just both felt like, um, we just both, I don't know, it was, it was sort of surprising, but we, we felt like after we had her, she was, I was a high-risk pregnancy and she was also premature, but she, she was healthy when she was born. Um, but she was about seven weeks early and in the NICU for a month. So when she was a year old, we just were like, I don't know, we just, we just love this. Like, we just kind of looked at our lives and we were like, this is the best. Like, we're so lucky. We just felt like we had the baby of the world, really. Um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was, a weird, it was a weird feeling that we both just felt very, very content. Um, and just, it was almost like we had sort of tempted fate once and yeah. came out, you know, <laughs> um, came out on on top <laughs> on top and we were just going to kind of stop stop there it felt, it felt good for both of us that's yeah. really cool too because I know um, a lot of women find they have a lot of pressure to like have a sibling for their child so I think you set a really good example that you know those um cookie cutter molds of what should be aren't necessarily for everybody if you're kind of if you're happy with where you are then you know why not stay there right Right. Gratitude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, sometimes we go to like, um, like my sister's house, you know, she had three boys, has three boys, you know, or just someone's house. And it's like a madhouse, which is fine. I grew up in a madhouse. I had a lot of siblings. And then we'd go home and be like, Whew. peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just for our little, like, you know, kind of chill daughter who was, she was pretty, pretty quiet. And um, yeah, just a really easy baby and child so that's really sweet how yeah the IVF process um how did you find it like how was the process on your body and your emotions and your mind when you do you remember like what it was like I don't in terms of like the medications and things like that yeah yeah I actually didn't find that I reacted to them at all like I didn't I didn't feel um like with the hormones, I didn't feel like particularly out of whack or anything. Um, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a really difficult uh, thing to do. It's quite individu- individualistic, I think isn't so. it? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. So dependent yeah. on so many different variables, right? Yes, definitely. Wow, that's a great story. Do you guys have any pets, Heidi? I keep forgetting to ask. I know you have a family. Well, there's the three of you, but do you have any any others in there? We don't. We don't you because don't. I'm allergic. I'm allergic to everything. 
Um, <laughs> Brooke, and, there's another Brooke for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm alert. I mean, we could do it. We could do a dog, but nobody here really wants one. We're not, I hate to admit it. Um, but none of us are big animal people. So my daughter really wants a cat. She's been talking about that lately. So we've been looking at different breeds that are possibly hypoallergenic and we've narrowed it down to a couple, but now I just need to like, (laughs) yeah, we don't want that. I know I feel badly. I just, I just don't want to be like creeped out in my own house by a, by like by a little gremlin creeping around. at I know. I just can't. I just, I don't love animals enough to love a hairless cat. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to kind of investigate that a little bit now and see if I'm actually allergic to the couple of breeds that we've narrowed it down to. Interesting. I didn't know there was hyperallergenic cats. That's interesting. Very cool. Yes, there are, there are a few, I mean, some people still have problems with them, but others are, aren't. So we'll see. So, You get into, obviously, like Brooke had mentioned before, you are Heidi, who is also one of our ambassadors, but also one of our content uh, moderators online on our private Facebook group called the Wags of SCI private Facebook group. And you do an incredible job. And this is for anybody and everybody listening. Moderating a group is really hard work. You basically, you are at the forefront of, uh, you know, of reading every comment, every story, every share. And, you know, you kind of have to have a bit of a thick skin to do the job, to be quite honest. (laughs) Would you agree, Heidi? (laughs) Yes, sometimes. Although sometimes I am grateful that I have the power to say, uh, delete. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, not okay. Yeah, with you, Ashley and Alice and Brooke and I, um, you know, we just like we've been so fortunate to be able to hand that over to you guys. But not only do you moderate our group, you work now, you work for the Greater Boston Chapter of United Spinal. And did you ever in your wildest dreams, like when you, you know, going back to your story of uh, meeting your husband, did you ever think that you would be working in the SCI field or in any sort of you know, SCI support group at that time? And what led you to where you are now to want to do this? Okay. So, uh, it, that's such a good question. Um, I never thought I would be doing this ever. Um, I was a teacher for many years. Um, and I taught, I think everything I did revolved around teaching. I also did a lot with art and teaching art. I figure skated and I taught figure skating. Um, but when I had Lila, I stopped working and I was pretty much home with her. So I've been thinking for quite a while of what my next step is and what I'd like to do next. And I hadn't, I knew it wasn't going back to classroom teaching. So fast forward, here we are, um, probably a couple, couple of years ago, I guess, um, a friend of mine who, uh, whose husband has a spinal cord injury introduced me to WAGS. I would have never thought to have join it or to seek something that like that out because I'm wasn't necessarily looking for support I also have a lot of as I mentioned before we do have a lot of friends couples who have um, spinal cord injuries so I never really felt so much like I didn't have a community or I didn't have people to talk to Um, and I also felt that because I met Dave post-injury, so after he was injured, I didn't go through like a life-changing traumatic event with him 
that right. affected not only his life, but my life. All right. And you, you weren't looking for like those coping skills or any of that sort of support, right? I wasn't. And I also felt like I couldn't relate to somebody like that. So, it, it, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon for Dave to meet somebody, like to be mentoring and meet someone and say, hey, you know, would you, you know, talk with this person's wife? And she's like, they're struggling. And, and I was like, I was like, yeah, but I, you know, what I, I can't relate or I can't, I don't want to even like pretend that I understand what they're going through. But through WAGS um, and other friends that I know who met their partners post-injury, I started to see, and this this was particularly through WAGS and like reading people's posts and seeing how painful, the pain that people were going through at the time of an injury or shortly after an injury and not being able to see beyond what was happening at the moment, I kind of felt like I wanted people to know and I wanted to be that support to say, like, this is really hard right now, I understand, but once you get over that hump and once you are in a different place, life can be really good. Like, my husband and I, we have a good life. We have we have a beautiful home, we have jobs, we have hobbies, we have a child, like, you know, our lives are basically as normal as anybody else's, uh, sort of, I guess, <laughs> with a few little twists here and there, but, um, and I guess it, it was, if I realized that I could kind of give people hope in that way, um, to kind of just say, you know, like, you'll get through this, I don't know what that's like, but I do know what it's like on the other end. Um, so that was where I started to feel more comfortable and feel like I actually did have a way that I could be supportive to other women who were struggling with a new injury, um, as well as obviously women who met their partners post-injury, um, and the, all the kinds of things that, that go along with that. So... I decided to. I love that though. Sorry, Heidi. I love that though. What you're saying is like, you know, I don't know what it's like for you right now, but I know what it's like on the other side. Sometimes we need that, like a little bit of a refresher. We need that little bit of other perspective to feel like there is life after injury, right? Yes, exactly. And I know for myself, and I, you know, I know many women in our community, it's like seeing the couple who, you know, quote unquote, is successful um, after the beginning stages of like, you know, being injured and, and uh, going back to like baby strength (laughs) for some of our quads. It's like, it's so encouraging to see that maybe one day they'll be able to drive a vehicle or maybe one day they'll be able to take themselves to school or maybe one day they'll they'll have a career again. It's like, you know, it's nice to see also the bonding of relationships on the other side where it's not, you're not just the caregiver. Like, it's really nice to be able to see we can have a relationship again right now. This might be like what it looks like with a new injury you know, with, with balancing everything, but it's good to always see couples like yourselves that are far into it to be like, Hey, we can have that again too, you know? So it's it's a lot of encouragement. It's quite inspirational. So it's important, very important. And I do realize also that, you know, some of it is so much, I mean, for Dave, it's, it's just part of his personality after he was injured, his parents. So he was in Boston, his parents were in upstate New York and they were like, come home, you know, and he was like, I'm not coming home because if I do, 
Like, what what am I going to do? What's going to become of me if I just move back? I realize that that's not everybody isn't in a situation where they can right off the bat be, you know, move out and be independent. Um, And the other thing about Dave is that he had been, you know, his plans were to become a police officer. Um, and those that didn't happen, although he did end up working for the police department, but he started really to think about, well, what, what else am I going to do with my life? And, and his life took a very different trajectory. Um, he's, he's still actually that he was injured almost 26 years ago now. Um, but he still for the past 25 years, he's worked for the police department as a media liaison. But he also went back, went back to school. So he went to law school and got a law degree um, he, he's, he does a ton of, <laughs> he does a lot. Um, you know, he does a lot of advocacy. That. What's that? Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. It's good to always see these guys like getting back out there and just like really following their passion and following yes. the thing that makes them unique. Right? right. Um, those are so important. So encouraging to see. Yeah. He started wheelchair racing and that was because he met somebody um, after his injury, who was a similar injury, similar age, who kind of took him under his wing. And, um, which is why I think Dave really has always enjoyed mentoring, um, and giving other people kind of hope and some direction, um, to help them set goals, which led me to realizing that, oh, I would actually like to be a mentor for the Greater Boston Chapter of United Spinal. So I went through the mentor training, and this was right before COVID. So I did the training just so I could be like officially on their roster. Um, And then COVID happened and everything kind of came to a screeching halt. And the chapter, um, they always had support groups uh, that were it, that were held at Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. So they had one for family members and one for people with spinal cord injuries and disorders. So those went virtual, and there were so many attendees attending them. They were huge. So they started kind of branching off a bit. And that's when I said, hey, I'd like to lead one for um, significant others. And so that, that happened. Um, and then... It was wonderful. Like, it was really fantastic. Um, I thought that within having a group for significant others, even though we did have some men in it, that we would talk a little bit more about relationships, um, maybe intimacy. I wasn't really sure how that would work out. But it, it didn't really pan out. That way, we talked about all kinds of things. We, we have all kinds of topics and discussions about being the significant other of somebody with a spinal cord injury. So then I, we, we, we talked about starting a group, um, which I sort of modeled kind of after WAGS, where it's like an all, you know, we can discuss anything. Like there's no holds barred. This is, you know, we, this should be a space for women to talk about sex and intimacy and relationships and fertility and all those things that we cannot talk to our, you know, just our girlfriends about. Totally. And what is that group called, Heidi? Okay, the so we joke. That's, yes, that's our After Dark. So we jokingly started calling it After Dark, and then it just stuck. So we call it After Dark for, it's kind of a mouthful, but we wanted to be clear that it's for women who have a, um, who are in a relationship or partners to somebody with a spinal cord injury. Um, and that has been amazing. Um yeah, that's been really fun. 
And from that, oh, well, let's see, I guess, yeah, so I, I lead those two groups. They're, they're open to anybody. They're virtual. And yes, we have people like just from our local area that attend, but we also have had a lot of people who have come um, that live, you know, all across the United States and sometimes, you know, from other countries, Canada. Um, yeah. And then That's awesome. it's a pretty yeah. successful little group. You guys meet what once a month or when we, is it we once meet, a week? We meet twice a month. Um, we meet twice a month, every other Wednesday, um, at 7 PM Eastern standard time. And anybody who's interested in joining us, you are more than welcome. We would love to have you. And you can go to sciboston.org and find all of our different support groups listed there and, um, zoom links. And you can always reach out to me as well with any questions. Um, because I, I'm also the <laughs> community <laughs> involvement coordinator. So after doing that, um, the groups grew so much and the, the, the chapter um, kind of reorganized a little bit. And I was then hired as the community involvement coordinator. So I oversee all the support groups for the chapter. Um, I, do, I do the, uh, we have a monthly education um, series uh, every Saturday, uh, every third Saturday of each month, we have an education series. And there are other things that I do as well, but that's sort of the bulk of what I do. We went from, the chapter went from two in-person groups to almost 10 different um, virtual support groups. So that was part of what I did when I came on is started expanding them. So we also have a men's after dark as well. And oddly enough, I helped to facilitate it because <laughs> the men really wanted it and we knew that there was an absolute need for it um and we just didn't really have any chapter members who wanted to take it on so i've been we it's it's me and uh, a couple of the guys that that run that one yeah and it is so needed like the, everybody so needed. needs to talk about sex everybody in this community there's not like we are just proponents for sex talk and and everything around sex to be made more available because it's so hard to find information about yes. spinal cord injury um and sex it's just it needs to be discussed more and more and more and so we're so proud of you for doing this like unbelievably <laughs> proud of you for for doing this it's just something that is so needed and so valuable and it's like another one of those silver linings of covid like look how much yes. your community has expanded it's more accessible to everybody now and i i just hope that you know after people start getting vaccinated and the world becomes back to normal i just hope that these things that work so well virtually are still available um, because it it especially in our community it just makes everything so much more accessible right exactly and you, so once we, we know that once we're back in person, because we do have um, our chapter has like office space at Spalding Rehab, um, which is where we hold the in-person um, support groups. But we will keep as long as people keep coming, we will keep the virtual groups because it's really amazing. It's, you know, just 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 accessibility wise for anyone to be able just to yeah. come and participate is great. And, you know, it's been interesting to see having involvement and going to all like the different groups that we have that everybody's talking so casually and openly understandably about things that affect people with spinal cord injuries like bowel and bladder it's like 
we talk about poop and pee like ad nauseum, but nobody's talking about sex. And that is probably, I mean, that is, you know, when my husband was injured or if you talk to, you know, almost anybody it, or when my husband talks to um, when he's mentoring, it's like the first thing that anybody asks him. It's the first thing, like when, you know, a young guy is injured, it's like, well, what? what do I do now? Like, how am I going to have sex? How am I going to have a girlfriend? How am I going to have children? Like, um, so, and the irony in this is that I'm actually like, sex is not the number one most important thing in my relationship. Um, just that's like me personally, but I feel incredibly passionate about creating space for people to talk about it because I know that it's really so important. Um, yeah, I know that's kind of a strange thing to admit, but it's no, the truth. <laughs> that's great. And it's great that you're admitting that because there's a lot of women out there that feel exactly the same as you. But it's one of those things that, you know, even that is something that people don't talk about, which I think is really important to talk about. Like, you know, especially after SCI, sex may not be as important as it was before. I know for myself, it's not. I mean, it's not one of those things yeah. that I'm really you know, looking forward to like I used to, because it doesn't mean the same thing. There's other things that are so much right. more important. And I think right. that a lot of the people listening need to understand that, that relationships look, look different, but they're better, right? They can be better um, right. when you're not yes. just focusing yeah, on there's sex. A, there's a different kind of level of, <laughs> yeah. of intimacy. And it's not always just about the act of, pen of penetration. For sure. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it's, yeah, it, you know, it, it does. It takes a lot more time, a lot yeah. more planning for some people, for others not. And But whatever it is for you and for your relationship, I, I want people to know that it's possible and that, and you're right, there is not a lot of information out there. And it, it just seems like, just like with everything else, SCI, or like we see it on WAGs all the time, like if you have a question about anything, go to the WAGs and you'll have an answer. Like, hey, you know, does this skin discoloration look, you know, like whatever it might be, somebody out there has had experience with it and can help you out. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with sex. I, you know, you can go to a urologist and they can say, I'm going to prescribe you this or that. Or, But really, when you get down to it, you need someone to, to show you the way, to tell you exactly how they do it. <laughs> well, yeah. And especially since like, th this is my big problem with sex and SCI is like, you can talk to somebody about all the options that are available. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's all about trial and error. Because like they always say, every spinal cord injury is so different, you can't compare. It's the mm -hmm. same with sex after spinal cord injury. Every single person's body reacts differently to every single thing that's available to get them to have sex. And so that is what you get by talking to different people and participating in these groups and participating in WAGs and, and, and listening to speakers and listening to other people is that you get those different experiences with different bodies and it gives you ideas and it gives you, oh, I could do this or I could do that or that's a good tip for someone that has AD or that's a good tip for someone that's experiencing, you know, all of these injections aren't working. Those little different tips are what can literally make somebody's life, right? So that's why it's so important to keep yes. these groups going is these, these personal experiences experiences right uh, oh absolutely yes it's so important and I just want to also yeah yeah definitely sorry go ahead oh no I was just gonna say I um one thing I really like about the after dark group is that you don't have to show your face like like <laughs> you can show up as your right. name I think that's so 
special and important because some people don't want to show their face. They want to listen, right? They want to observe. And I think that is what in-person meetings are so intimidating to people um, because they have to show up with their face and their body and their body language. And some people are not comfortable with that. And so these, these zoom meetings are great because you can show up with your face, but you can also, and, and you can talk about everything you want, but you can also show up as just your name behind a black screen and you can listen to other people and you don't have to necessarily participate with everything. If you are nervous, it's like a good way to introduce yourself to this community. So yes, I thought that sure. was really cool about the group. Yeah, we definitely have more men that go to the men's group that don't like to show their faces. So that's okay. Um, and I think it is harder for men to ask for help. Um, I, the women, I think, tend to be, they maybe at first they might not, but then they, they usually do. Um, I've also tried to keep the group kind of just introducing different topics and featuring different wags to um, just literally asking them like, hey, do you want to come on and talk about your sex life? Um, so yeah. it's been, uh, and I always say like, you can share whatever you want. Like you just tell us whatever it is that you want to tell us about your journey Um with SCI, with your partner. Um, so that's been great to just have different voices and perspectives. Um, we've done, um, Brooke, you came on um, last week for our men's where we invited their partners to join as well. So those have been, we've done a few of those and those have been fun and successful. So just always, I'm always trying to think about different ways to keep engaging people um, and finding out what's really most helpful. And I I think that a lot of it is just feeling like you're not alone. Um, And again, you know, just sometimes just having a laugh, which we wags do a lot about things that nobody else can really understand or would see the humor in, or um, even if it's a, if I don't, you know, laugh, I'll cry kind of thing. (laughs) Um, But there's a, that sisterhoods um, always comes through. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us, Heidi, today. And thank you for the kind words and for taking the time out of your day to come and spend it with us. Now, if anybody had more ideas of what they would like to see from your After Dark group, how do they contact you and submit some ideas to keep it pumping and going? Sure. Well, so you can always visit the, the website, um, sciboston.org. And you can find like any contact information there if you needed to get in contact with me or anybody. Um, but also my email address is Heidi at SCIBoston.org. So you can email directly, um, email me directly. And again, and, you know, don't be shy um, about, about joining or just coming. You don't have to show your face if you don't want to, um, but we really welcome you to do so. And yeah, so that's how to, that's how to get in touch with me. And any wag that's listening to this podcast now that wants to talk to Heidi, you can find her on the private Facebook discussion group. She is a moderator there. She sees all, knows all. She's like the most least judgmental person you'll ever meet. So <laughs> if you want to talk to Heidi, she's there waiting. Um, and again, Absolutely. Yeah, and you can also email her and she's an open book. She's always there. Like she's just a great, great advocate and mentor to have. So anybody out there, there wanting to speak to her make sure that you do that and again thank you so much Heidi for talking to us this is such an important discussion we're so proud of you for all the work that you're doing and just like watching you you. 
grow and stuff. Like it's so, it's so impressive to see just over such a short period of time, how you're now leading, um, leading this community and bringing your own flair to it. And it's so empowering. And it's just a really good example for, for all the women out there that are looking to participate more and get more involved. You're, you're just like a beacon of light. So thank you once again. Thank you. Well, I thank you both so much. And I, I say this all the time, but I really feel like you both inspired me to do what I'm doing and to be where I am today. Cause I would have never imagined, especially through the pandemic, that this is what I would be doing right now. This would be like my actual, that I actually have a job. Yeah. And helping people, um, right? Like think it, about all the people yes. you're helping. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's really remarkable. I love doing the different support groups. I love doing the after dark groups Aww. and it feels so good to like, to see people, like now it's been a year that we've been doing these groups and to see how much people grow, like from the start of an injury, um, you know, to a year later. So it's very meaningful, very meaningful work. And not to mention, you guys are providing a lot of free resources for people who may not be able to have access to these resources, which is incredible. You are doing good work, our lady. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And we are sure we will have you on once again later on in, in both of our journeys. So once again, thank you so much to all of you at home. Um, whether you're driving, listening to our podcast today, thank you so much for spending this time and allowing us to spend it with you for the last um, 45 minutes. And we hope to see you guys um, asking Heidi lots of questions and showing up to her after dark. (laughs) So once again, we wish you all a beautiful weekend ahead and a beautiful week ahead. We're going to kick it off straight up into the summer, enjoying the sun, and we will see you next week for the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Until next time, take care of yourselves and love each other. Cheers. <laughs>